Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and this is a delightful conversation with Taylor Spivey, one of the all-time great US women triathletes who's crushing it on the World Triathlon Series and the Super League Triathlon Series. Um, Leads from the front, one of the exceptional swim bikers in the sport and is learning how to really run. It's really amazing for someone who really, as she describes in this show, took up running when she was about 22, didn't even know what cross-country running was until she was 22 years of age. And she's turned herself into one of the fastest runners in the sport. So really exceptional uh, story of, of perseverance and really quite inspiring. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. There's so much in it, so much inspiration in terms of managing the highs and the lows of sport. And as Taylor prepares to qualify for the US team for Paris Olympic Games, this was a really insightful conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. Speaking of success, have you ever tried fast food? It's a high-performance fuel made from 100% real food. No more bloated feelings or crashes. With their unique optimal energy release system, you get consistent energy. Dive into their Galacto Gel, Galacto Gummy, or the Hydrator and taste the real difference. Give them a go and let me know what you think. You can write me on any of the social platforms. I'd love your feedback. You're out there training hard and racing, and I want to know how you feel on fast food. And remember, your mission is fast food's mission, so don't miss out. Right. Today's guest is a force to be recognized in the, in the world of triathlon. From her roots in surf lifesaving to becoming a standout star in the ITU World Triathlon Series and the Super League Triathlon, her journey is a, just a testament to her hard work, talent, and perseverance. She's had some incredible highs and some pretty tough lows in the sport, but she keeps showing up with intent consistently in the top five in any race she competes in and on the world rankings at the end of each year. She's a household name in the triathlon community, so it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to The Greg Bennett Show the incredibly talented and, and inspiring Taylor Spivey. How are you, Taylor? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Greg. <laughs> yeah. So now, where, tell listeners, where are you in the world already? We're recording just after Thanksgiving. Um, and, and a quick note to all listeners, both Taylor and I are on the back end and recovering from a bit of a cold and getting our voices back. So you'll have to excuse us if we sound a little raspy, but where are you? <laughs> yeah, I think we both sound a little raspy, but getting there. I, yeah, um, yeah I'm currently in Girona, Spain. Um, I flew back about a week ago and got sick just after my flight. So um, delayed um, training a bit longer than I had intended, but it's okay. Mm. It's off season. It's fine. It doesn't matter yeah. right now. So yeah. It's amazing. You, um, Spain, is that home for you? Is that like you, you call that home now? Um, yeah, I'd say I called Girona home now. Um, and I have for a bit just because, um, my training group is European based and mm. the majority of our, our races are also, you know, around Europe as well. So it just makes it easier to, you know, fly back here in between camps and races. Yeah. And the, the winter is not too harsh in Girona. Yeah. Another perk of Girona is like the winter, the winter is pretty good. It gets 
definitely colder than Southern California, which is where I grew up. <laughs> but um, overall, like it's dry, which is great. And there's just a good community of athletes here. And like, I have a good group of friends here who are like-minded and, you know, yeah. do triathlon or cycling or, or are involved in the sport. So it's a great place for me to be at this time in my life. Oh, perfect. And, and you, you mentioned a training group. Who, who, who are you getting coached by and who, who are you training with? Um, I've been coached by Paulo Sousa since 2016 mm-hmm. and, um, our group consists of mostly females. We have a few guys, um, but it's just an international training group and every year it changes a little, but, um, yeah. And then there are two athletes from my group that also live here in Spain as well. Oh, very good. All right. Well, I can't believe you're already back at training, to be honest. We're recording this. And what is the date, today's date? November 27th, we're recording. It comes out on December 18th. But I, that's unusual, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I'm reflecting back. I always felt like athletes took December off and then kind of started January 1. But here you are back in Girona. You, you had Thanksgiving without family. <laughs> yeah. I, and, think, yeah. I think since COVID this is actually the most normal like time schedule for the year. Usually we take about November off. Mm. Um, whereas like last year, for instance, the grand final was actually this weekend um, because the whole calendar was skewed and shifted to go later. Mm. Um, so it's kind of nice to feel like I've already taken my off season. I took, I guess this is week five, if you include my sickness since Neom. Mm. So I took a proper off season. Um, yeah. So I, I wouldn't say I'm training yet, but I'm starting to, you know, get my body moving again. Well, there's a lot I want to get into the show. Um, and, and especially with Paris Olympics coming up and we can talk about, you know, the Tokyo Olympic experience for you, but is it a little bit, This year, um, have you kind of come back going, okay, I'm really excited because the Olympic trials and, and tell us a little bit about what that looks like, you know, starting 2024. Um, yeah, I think obviously the objective is to qualify for Paris and to also medal in Paris, but, um, to do that, I need to qualify and I, I didn't do that um, last time for Tokyo because of a lot of reasons along with COVID. So I'm hoping that I pull it off this year, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, this last year I did get a bit too excited going into the test event and, and cooked myself a bit and, and I did, uh, go into it with a bit of a stress reaction. So I need to, be more cautious and smart about my training and not get too excited this time around. I know. It's so hard. It's so easy to say. It's so hard to do. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, you still had a, a really solid race at the test event. I know it wasn't up to your standard, but I mean, you, you were still there in 10th place, but you were dealing with a bit of an injury at that one. Were you in Paris? Yeah. Uh, at the end of my training camp, I could tell something was off and Mm. in the race, I think, you know, 
as the run went on, my, my <laughs> biomechanics deteriorated because I was in quite a bit of pain, but I didn't know what it was at that point, but I, I knew something was wrong. And yeah, I raced London Super League the next weekend, barely ran that week, got third, and then I got an MRI the week after. <laughs> and I said, oh, crap. <laughs> I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what, because I'd never had a bone injury before. So uh, I feel like everybody gets something, don't they? I mean, <laughs> you, you talk about the the trials. How has it worked for the U.S. team? Um, is Taylor Nib already on with her qualification? She qualified in Paris, right? Yeah, Nib yeah. already qualified in Paris, and the next qualification will be in Yokohama in May next year. Okay. And it will be the first, well, this is for the females. Um, for the, it will be the first uh, American to podium at Yokohama. And then the third spot will be discretion. Mm. But if no one podiums in Yokohama, both of the spots will be discretion. Whereas for the men, um, I believe they only have two spots. Um, so mm, it's yeah, different. Yeah, it's similar with the podium, but yeah, it just goes to one male. I'm glad they're doing it separate. That's something I always push for. I never understood a, a blanket selection for both men's and women's teams when often the teams are very different and the way you race, everything's different. When when you say discretion, who's on the discretion? Have they have they penned that out, what that exactly looks like? Because discretion always is scary. <laughs> I think so. I just don't really look at these documents because it's not going to change anything for me. I'm just going to mm. train and race my best. And, you know, hopefully I have a good day on the day and <laughs> I don't yep. mess it up like I did last time. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't know that you messed anything up. Would you say, I mean, I would say there was like a series of unfortunate events that led into, you know, the last, both of the last qualification races, uh, for me. So let's, let's, let's have a quick recap on that. that (laughs) For people that don't know the, the Taylor Spivey story, which maybe some don't, what was that experience like? What was that qualification like last time around? Um, and what can you kind of do going forward to make sure, you know, it can flip the table, so to speak? Well, there, there are so many layers to last, uh, the last qualification for the Tokyo Olympics because mm-hmm. in 2019 there was a test event in Tokyo and there was um, uh, the race distance changed and I also had mm-hmm. like a stomach issue in the race. <laughs> and then, yeah, I basically lost the spot with a hundred meters to go. And I was pretty much walking on the, the run. Um, there was also a major crash in the race. So there were a lot of reasons I believe that that race shouldn't have necessarily counted, mm-hmm. um, especially with the fact that COVID happened the year after and, completely changed everything for everyone. Um, and then with the qualification the year after it was during, you know, a lot of COVID protocol, um, races and it was also in Yokohama, but the rules were so strict to get there. A lot of countries didn't go. Mm -hmm. So it changed the quality of field, which then changed the dynamics of the race. 
and um, we essentially couldn't leave our hotel rooms the whole time we were there. Um, and my luggage didn't arrive. So I had packed a lot of things for the race, like food and just like things to get by. And when you can't even leave your room, for instance, <laughs> which yeah. you any other race, you can go buy these things or like, you know, get by, by having access to outside, but I didn't have that. I actually got my bike like less than 24 hours before that race. So it was a bit stressful. And I know other athletes also didn't have ideal circumstances going into that race, but, um, yeah, there were just like two instances that just really went bad for me. And, um, yeah. And then it just came down to me and Katie when, you know, we both struggled during these two races and, uh, yeah, I felt like the two of us should have both been on that team. So it's brutal. I remember, I remember when you were, I think I wrote you a note because both Laura and I had been through that ourselves, you know, I remember in 2000, quick recap on me and I don't mean to make the show about me, but it was, I appreciated the messages. I got a lot of kind messages. Yeah. It's like, it's it happens you know and and it then puts a fire in your belly to make sure it never happens again like it's one of those where it's like okay I want to take full control here and that's what you're doing you know and I think that's I think sometimes these things are really empowering um to make big changes and make big things happen um but I know for for Laura missing in 04 you know, she was ranked number two in the world and had come second in the world championships and still missed the US team. And and for me in 2000, I was number two in the world at the time as well. Had won the Sydney event the year before, or actually earlier that year. And it was like, still didn't make the team. It was, it's kind of... It's crazy. It's tough, right? It's tough, but I still think big things are ahead of you kind of thing. I, I kind of feel like you ha- to be an all-round athlete, you have to have these moments as well. Um, I don't know. It puts it all in perspective and it gets, I think it will help you get really amped for this next one. How, how is the body, you know, as, as you're preparing now, you, you've had your, was it a stress reaction you said? And then was it an ankle injury? What, what was? It was like just above my ankle. So it was in the post tibia. So that's kind of like just oh, yeah. below your calf sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doing a lot better. Like I've started to run, um, I've been running like every other day, um, and slowly increasing like the time running with some walk runs. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had taken about eight weeks off mostly because I was like kind of trying to run on an alter G and I did a few races in between like, um, the grand final in Pontevedra. Um, and also I raced the last Super League race in Neom. So I had my reasons for doing those races. Um, and I was cautious about, you know, making it worse. But leading into those races, my running confidence was very low because yeah. I I hadn't run essentially with full body weight. So um, some people probably shouldn't do the same thing as me, but I was, I was very careful. And, um, yeah, my reason behind racing Pontevedra was just because the way the world triathlon series works, um, if you don't race the grand final, you have zero points for 
this race, which counts, I think it's about 25% more than all the other races in the series. So I was pretty far ahead of the fifth place ranked athlete. So I just wanted to hold fourth in the series and I pretty much just had to like get a few points in that race. So, um, I did what I could in the swim and the bike. And, um, I honestly warmed up on my, my injury and I did not think I was going to run. Um, I was in quite a bit of pain, but once the adrenaline's going, I, I just like stepped off my bike. I think there's a photo of me just like wincing, like, because I was just bracing myself, but it felt like, okay, enough. I think I did the first 5k at a jog's pace. And then the next 5k, I was just passing people the whole time. Cause I was like, okay, like I can do this. It doesn't hurt. Like I can barely feel it. I'm fine. But I, yeah. That it was is fun. brutal. I, that is, and the best part is for everybody listening. Okay, so so Taylor still finished sixteenth, going for a jog. Um, still ran a thirty-five minute ten k. By the way, which I know it doesn't sound fast to you now, but once you've been retired for about ten years, you look at these numbers and it just blows your mind. I mean, it, it really split or negative split each lap in this race, which no one else did because it was a very hilly hardcore. So yeah, I was very happy to come away with 16th place, like truly shocked, but I did put in like nearly 20 hours of biking two weeks in a row. So <laughs> yeah, give me some credit. I did work somewhere else. Well, that's just a triathlon, isn't it? You get the running injury and suddenly your swimming miles go up and you're biking and whatever you can do to keep your fitness and keep moving. Um, it's, it's extraordinary. I had, um, Lucy Charles Barclay on a few weeks ago and we were talking about that and she said, yeah, I had my boot on and then Reese created a, put a flat pedal on, on my other bike so I could go in the boot on one foot and then had a cleat on the other. And I was doing my hundred mile rides in my boot. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. I would get some serious compensation. Oh, so I? I would that that is impressive. <laughs> no, she's like, yeah, I didn't want to ride inside. It was so beautiful. We just decided to. Anyway, I think you're all mad, and I think you're you're absolutely inspirational. Um, yeah, you have to be a little nuts to be a triathlete for sure. That's <laughs> nuts, but there's this this strength and this resilience that's like um, it's it's truly amazing what the human body can do, and especially when you have this strength of mind like yourself or Lucy, you know, going out there, even when things aren't ideal, it's always easy to be a champion when things, you know, all your ducks are lined up and away you go. But yeah. Yeah. Her result this year is like a testament to that for sure. And I think she took care of her body in the lead up to the race. So she was actually able to train going into it, but yeah, it's tough. And sometimes you have to make these decisions like, should I race on this injury or not? Like, mm. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this race. Um, well, it worked yeah, for you. I, mean, I still got 16th, but it was my worst result since the first time I was out of the top 10 since 2018, maybe. So You, you truly are. <laughs> I don't like this word because I got given it for the longest time. The world's most consistent athlete. <laughs> you are always up there it is amazing it's every time i look at you you you're on the podium you're in that fourth fifth spot i still feel i can't help but feel there's a 
the breakthrough still to come. I know we were talking about Malibu last year and the, the Super League, which was awesome in front of your home crowd, having that big win. I thought that was really spectacular. But in my mind, I still see some untapped potential. How would how what do you think about that? Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think just before I got hurt, um, I mean, obviously I was pushing the limits of of my run. Mm. Um, but I did put in like a lot of high volume running weeks and, and that I'd say is like what it takes to win a race, like the swimming and biking Mm. always puts me in the race or in the front pack or in the breakaway. Um, but the run is what wins it. And I still think I, I (laughs) came into running pretty late in, in life compared to, you know, all the other people I'm up against. So I still Mm. think there's a, a bit of a, we can call it a learning curve there. Um, and yeah, I think even though I had to take some weeks off after my injury, I, I think I did put in a big chunk of volume that will, will carry me through next year once I'm back at it. Yeah. When you, when you're talking about volume roughly, you don't have to give me specifics, but what kind of running have you guys been able to get you running up to consistently? Um, I would say I was anywhere between 70 to 90 K weeks and that was at altitude. And I spent most of the year at altitude last year, which probably was my breaking point, but, (laughs) um, for females in triathlon, I'd say that's on the higher end. It is Um, based on what I know all my other teammates do. And yeah, it's all personal and based on like what, you know, and like, but it's too healthy too. So it's a, it's a balance for sure. Yeah. I, I think even um, when Laura and I were doing it and for me, if I was running on dirt, you know, that hundred K a week was about right, but it also depends on the intensity too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you know um, and Laura would run fairly consistently around that 80 to 90, like, like you said, but yeah. Again, it's a fine line. It's like you're peering over the edge, aren't you? It's like, this is the right amount to really, <laughs> really do things right. But it's also that fine line of going, did I just go an edge too far? Um, yeah. And I think when you're doing intensity, what I learned this year is mm. that I need to probably decrease the volume a little bit. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Not mm-hmm. at 90Ks a week, but yeah. Yeah. lessons learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's the intensity in which you do it. Um I, I think, you know, for, for us, it was always, we didn't do any long, slow running. It was always called, we'd call it best easy pace. And so it was often, you know, as long as I could have a bit of a conversation, but really it was sort of running, running and, um, and, and Laura was the same. And I think because we were doing it at fairly fast still, it actually did take its toll quite often. So it's kind of measuring the intensity with, with the volume. Um, are you using a lot of sort of data and science with Paulo to kind of measure how your body's responding? Um, not really. I think I'm pretty good at going by feel, mm-hmm. especially as I get older. But I do like I'm always doing the high end of everything if we're given a range or something. So, um, <laughs> we I wouldn't say we necessarily use data, but I do try to reference like just overall um like distance increases per week yeah and 
um, like I know my limits too, in terms of paces for easy runs, mm. um, like it's easy to get caught up and going faster. If you like, you know, you want to run with like some of your guy friends who probably are a bit faster than the girls mm. and things like that. And that's not always necessarily a good thing if you have, you know, a, a track session the next day, because you're just putting that much more impact on your body. So I've learned these lessons the hard way. I give myself, you know, <laughs> caps on my easy runs and, um, yeah, just listen to my body. No, you, you, you have to, um, but looking back at this year, 2023, you know, you finished fourth in the world series. Um, you've had, you've been fourth. So what, tell me the last five years in the world series rankings. <laughs> It's been fourth and then third once in 2020, but I didn't race Tokyo or 2021, but I didn't race Tokyo. So I didn't have this race to count. No, that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, It was fourth, third, fourth, 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 fourth in all of them in one third. You're amazing. You are amazing. (laughs) That's 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 okay. It's okay. It's, we're going to change that. We're going to change that. It's going to, um, what do you, Okay. What, what do we need to do when I say we, I'm just putting myself in the team for the moment. <laughs> I what, need to work on my running. That's it. I think when, when you say work on my running, and I think I, what does that mean? I think I just need to continue with the progression I had last year before I get in, got injured and mm-hmm. keep going. And I think I also can work on some other things like how I taper going into a race and rest a bit more. And okay. Uh, yeah. Overall, it's just about staying healthy. And That's a big one. if you know, you take care of if I take care of myself a little better, I think it will go a long way. Yeah. I, I remember being in your same sort of shoes. Um, and I apologize to bring it back to myself again. I don't mean to, but I find <laughs> some similarities here. That's the only reason I bring it up. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm not as fast as Greg Walsh or Miles Stewart, Simon Lessing. But then I was like, well, if I can run 1K in two minutes 45, if I can just be the one that's fitter and the drop-off doesn't happen, maybe, maybe I can start winning. And so it started, I started working on the fitness side rather than the speed side and just kept holding my, my best K at 240 to 245. And I, that's where all the breakthroughs really came for me. And I'm, I'm only mentioning that for people listening and, and yourself, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. kind of, I figured if I could be so fit that I could sprint a 10 K with no fear of blowing up, yeah, that then I could potentially, and it did, it changed a lot for me. It took a, a, a little while. And that's what it sounds like what you're doing with Paulo. When you say you're increasing those miles and you're building up the mitochondria and the ability to move that oxygenated blood to the working muscles more and more efficiently, which the only way to do it is to actually do the work. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's on track. Like, I think it's cool. Yeah, like you said, like a consistent base. And as I'm building back my run, I'm plan to spend a bit more time in the gym just to get stronger because I am like a pretty petite athlete. And mm-hmm. um, hopefully that will pay off once, you know, the big volume kicks in. And mm. yeah, I completely agree with you. I love it. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's shift gear a little bit here. Um, I want to rewind the clock and get to know you a little bit better from your background. Um, actually had some fun doing some homework <laughs> and okay. seeing that you, your parents were triathletes and you did your first Ironman, but 
well, in, in the womb or something. I don't know. You can tell me more, but I thought it was all fascinating. So take, let's rewind this clock. Take us back to sort of your first encounter with the world of triathlon and when you found your passion for sport. Um, well, my parents were both triathletes and, um, apparently my mom was pregnant with me when she did an Ironman. So that's where that whole story, (laughs) but I did not grow up with much knowledge about triathlon. Like my parents never pushed me to do it. It's not like really a thing kids do in the U S um, whereas it's far more common in like, you know, Australia or Europe and, you know, other countries that are more into these types of sports. Um, so I grew up doing like playing soccer, swimming, playing water polo and doing surf lifesaving as a kid. And I really enjoyed surf lifesaving. It was like a great community. It was something I did every summer. Um, and it was pretty competitive. You do buoy swims at the beach, you run in the sand. It's like, you have an end of the year competition, you go to nationals, you can be on a world's team and travel the world and be on team USA for that. So it was really fun. And it was like Mm. just a great balance to like pool swimming for me, especially in college. Um, so that's kind of where my background comes from, but I didn't do triathlon until it was my fourth year in university. Oh, wow. And I was um, going to study abroad. So I swam in university at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo Mm -hmm. and I studied architecture there. So my focus was very much academics. Um, But my fourth year, I went to study abroad in Florence, Italy. And so I took a year off of swimming. It's called redshirting in the U.S. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, I'll try triathlon. Like I'll just pick up something else to do while I'm there um, just for fun and like to keep myself active Mm -hmm. because I knew accessing a pool would be a bit tricky. And yeah, so I, I did a triathlon just before I went to study abroad. I did pretty well. And when I was abroad, a coach had contacted me. His name's Greg Mueller. And, um, he reached out to me and wanted to coach me and convinced me to start doing like ITU or world triathlon. And, um, I had no idea what it was at the time. So I started watching triathlon live while I was abroad, like got a bike and started riding the trainer. And I started running there in Italy and, Um, I swam with, uh, like a few people on the Italian national team because I, um, was also competing in surf lifesaving worlds that year in Adelaide, Australia. So I was staying fit, but also like exploring an entire new culture and part of it. Of course you were 20, 22 years old or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It was very different. I even joined, um, like a running group there. Cause I did a local run race and they had me do cross country race and I had no idea what cross country was <laughs> and they bought me spikes. And I was like, showed up to this race. We were running in like, I swear it was almost knee deep mud. It was nothing <laughs> like I had ever experienced. Oh, that's fun. It would have been knee deep for you. I'm sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know what cross country was before I studied abroad. I'm that new to running. 
so it was like a great experience. Um, and unlike anyone else's introduction to triathlon, but yeah, I came back to the U S I did, uh, it's called an EDR, like an elite development race. And I earned my professional license and. What year was that, that you did all of those? Um, geez, I don't know. It was like 10 years ago. Maybe 14 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, um, finished my last year at school, finished swimming and, um, raced collegiate nationals and won that race with the breakaway from the swim. <laughs> so ah. I ran afraid and, um, yeah, from there, just worked my way up in the sport as someone who didn't come from a running background and had to work, you know, pretty, pretty yeah. hard to, I guess, get down to like sub 34, 10 K. So that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you have siblings that were into sport or are you on your own? I'm an only child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But my parents were, are super active. Like my mom mm. loves to swim and my dad's a pretty good cyclist and like avid in the local cycling community. So they, they very much like when I started triathlon, they like took me under their wings and like, like took me on group rides and taught me how to descend. So it was, it was a good experience and I had good people around me. So I was very fortunate. It's been a steep learning curve, um, actually for a few American women, cause they seem to do a pretty good job of headhunting, um, incredible swimmers that might have a knack for biking and running and then the upskilling the and the up training you know it starts from barb lindquist i think started it you know years ago with the the whole college recruitment program it, it really is incredible because the amount of amazing athletes that are coming from the swimming in particular um in the u.s women's team to them becoming some of the all-time greats in the sport is, is really phenomenal but when you got the bike and you got running, and I love that you never had had spikes and didn't know what cross country was. I, I mean, was, was that all scary or was it exciting because, you know, you were young and this was new and, and you'd already been doing surf lifesaving, which requires paddles and skis and everything else? I mean, I thought it was fun. I think I was just naturally like a competitive person and I was pretty fearless. Like, hmm. I, you know, I, grew up doing surf life saving. I grew up snowboarding. I grew up playing, like I was a very sporty kid. Mm. Um, and I just liked having fun with sports. So yeah, it wasn't really scary to me. I was just enjoying it. competitive. You can, I love how you yeah, said I you really think twice about it. <laughs> where do you think you get your competitiveness from? You, you find, are you competitive in lots of things or is it quite specific to sport? I know when to turn it off, but yeah, sometimes in training, for sure, I can be competitive if it's a hard session. But mm -hmm. I think I'm more competitive with myself than with anyone else. Like, for instance, if I'm comparing like a session one week to the week before, of course, I'm, you know, want to keep getting better as the season goes on or one race to, you know, my races last year. Um, I'm mostly competitive with myself, but <laughs> that's okay to be competitive i think i think it's kind of a necessary evil for the career path you've chosen um, i'm not going to like play game like games with my friends and like get super competitive like i know when when 
it's the appropriate time. <laughs> mm, you, you're good. You're good at managing it. You're good at yeah. managing it. I, I like that. Uh, <laughs> More or less. <laughs> and when did you realize? You know, you won the collegiate nationals. Was that at the point you kind of thought, "Huh, this could be a bit of a, a move for me. This could be a bit of a career opportunity." When, when, when was it that you kind of thought that? Um, I thought I would give it a try. My first coach, Greg, was very good at like instilling a bit of confidence in me too. Like I wouldn't say I'm the most confident person. Um, and he did a good job of like introducing me to the sport and not putting too much on me too soon. He also knew I had to work and like support myself through this process. So, um, I wouldn't say like I always knew and like had this like burning confidence that yes, I'm going to be like an incredible triathlete. Mm -hmm. But I thought like because of what these other people were feeding me, like it made me believe in myself a bit more. And then with the results also that gave me, you know, a bit more self-confidence. But um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't really until... Um, I joined Paulo's group that I started to see like podium potential performances. Um, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the way the sport works as a development athlete. You're not just going to like walk into the sport and, you know, after two years of doing it, have a series podium. Um, so Unless your name's Gwen, Gwen Jorgensen. She she was the freak. <laughs> Come on, oh yeah, here yeah. we go. I mean, I, I have a different story than the other Americans. I wasn't a collegiate runner, so yeah. Um, maybe I'm speaking more to the non-runners. Yeah. Um, but I do think, like a lot of the U.S. Um, women and former runners, did come into the sport pretty quickly and see see that success. Yeah. Yeah, well, Gwen was a bit, a bit of an enigma in the sense that she was swimming and running kind of all the way through college, I think, too. Um, you know, but reflecting at your career, when you sort of look back, what have been sort of the most, I guess, rewarding moments? What, what stands out to you and goes, wow, that was really cool? I think one of the coolest moments for me was – Leeds 2017 when I was in a breakaway um with a few girls including Flora Mm. and um yeah it was considered it still is one of the hardest courses on the circuit and I knew that you know a hilly technical bike course suited my strength but I had no idea that I would earn my first podium there. And it is kind of ironic because I think a few weeks before was Yokohama and I just had, we were relocating to Europe. I had to move out of my apartment. I was pretty tired and I had a horrible result there. Absolutely Mm -hmm. horrible. Uh, USAT told me they weren't going to fund me to Leeds. And, um, So I like book my flight like last minute so I don't have, because I'm, you know, funding myself at this point in my career um, and work, or I had 
worked and saved up money. Um, and yeah, I made the most of it. I arrived like just before briefing and I was feeling pretty good on race day. And I ended up in a breakaway with Flora. We lapped out probably half the field and I got second place there. And it was one of my best memories because yeah, I think I started to doubt myself going into that race. My federation was, you know, not mm. believing in me. And it was a turning point because I get my confidence from my results. And yeah, that was an incredible result. I remember that. That was really outstanding. Gosh, I can't believe actually that it was 2017. It doesn't feel like it was that long. I remember watching it, you know, and it was an outstanding race. 2017, you're right. My goodness. So what else? That was a big one for you. Um, that was a big one. Um, gosh, I don't know. There have been like quite a few memorable moments. And I think a lot of it's so funny now that I look back, like one of my good friends, uh, Chelsea Burns, former mm -hmm. athlete, former training partner. Mm -hmm. Um, she always tells me that I thrive when faced with adversity. <laughs> so, yes, yes. um, I guess that was a, a testament to that when, you know, yeah, your, chips were down. your back's against the wall and you have to, you know, prove something to yourself but that's happened a lot of times throughout my career and I'm doubting myself or I'm not in a good like mental place to to perform and then like there are some races where I just don't even want to be there for my own personal reasons and somehow I like pull out a podium and my my best friends and my teammates are like, how did you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think maybe it's, you're kind of free to sail? Do you, is it maybe taking some of the pressure off you and you just go, whatever, or is it? Honestly, maybe like, maybe I just, yeah, I'm more relaxed going into it because I just, <laughs> I don't want to say I don't care because I, of course I, I care. No, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's a different it's a different mindset going into the race. You're like, Oh, well, whatever happens, happens. And yeah, I'll do my best that day. Um, mm. so yeah, it's actually interesting. Um, I'd say another cool moment was definitely winning Malibu last year mm -hmm. because it was Malibu super league because it was at home. Um, my family and some of my friends were there watching, and yeah, I'm always up there in the races and top fives and I got a podium in every super league, but that was the one I won. And it was, yeah, That's it was so, cool that it was at home. That is so cool to have the, the big victory to be at home as well. Um, that, that's amazing. We, we talked about some of the, the, the low times that obviously you kind of, we breezed over earlier about, you know, the Olympic selection in 2021 or 2020 Tokyo Olympics. <clears throat> um, what have you been able to take away from some of the experiences you've had that haven't been so great? Let's call it that. <laughs> the lower times. Have, have you been able to learn from those? Have they been sort of good character building for you or, you know, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, they've definitely been <laughs> character building. Mm. I think you grow the most from like, you know, tough moments because when everything's going well, 
I think you get a bit caught up in it. Um, but you become more human in I think these difficult moments. And I think what I learned was that, um, I've like a great support system and great people around me. And I think in these difficult times, you really learn who these people are, who you can lean on. And yeah, like my teammates and my friends carried me through so much, Mm. so many of these moments. So I'm incredibly grateful for them. And I think I was really able to show them that during these times. Mm. And you, do you work with like an, any mental performance coaches or psychologists or, or anybody? Uh, I mean, I never did, so I'm not asking you like <laughs> you have to, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, I talked to a sports psych, um, occasionally, um, and she's really helpful and she does put things into perspective for me, which is, mm. is great. Um, and I just have, yeah, I talk to my friends too. And they're also, <laughs> they they're, help. Help they're, like, they're like my therapists as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what your, your people are for, right? Of course, but, of course. Um, I always called Laura my pocket psychologist. She, you know, I, um, yeah, the people closest to you, that's what they should be. You should be able to, you know, lean yeah. on them when, when you're in these like tough moments, but mm. yeah, I highly recommend, you know, I think a lot of my teammates see a sports psych and it's, it's helped them mm. like tremendously. So I know I had, um, Seth Pepper on the show, um, he's a mental performance um, guy and I know Ben Knut ended up after listening to the show is now working with Seth uh, full time and said it's just been amazing so it's always it's one of those things I look now and be like oh yeah I think I'd have that in my arsenal if I was getting ready for some big races so it's actually great to hear that you've got that because you've got you said May next year is, is that when you said Yokohama is? Yeah yeah I think yeah. it's like mid-May early mid-May yeah and so will you do some races before that? Yeah. So my plan will be to do Abu Dhabi, yep. which is March probably. March. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like the 8th-ish mm-hmm. of March or 9th. That's been a good race for you, hasn't it? Abu Dhabi's always been one you've podiumed and done pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm always super fresh at the beginning of the year, Then it's a slow deterioration. So I'm <laughs> this next year which is my goal um but yeah i love abu dhabi it's always like a fun race um yeah i podiumed last year Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah that was a another race where i just mentally wasn't totally there and um i think we found the secret ingredient for you to perform yeah that was really special to yeah just yeah. prove that to myself and um yeah I had a few yeah I love that race I've put him there also I think in 2018 and um yeah after that we have a bit of a break I think we have like two months ish until Yokohama so um it's kind of a slow start to the year 
But you've always you've had you've been pretty good at Yokohama too, right? You've had a couple of fourths and a third. You've podium there as well, I think. Yeah. It's not but bad. I love my fourth place. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, when that race is, when we have a good group of swimmers together and we get a break, yeah. that race can really, you know, play in my favor. And, and even when it has come down to a big pack, I have run very well off of it. So um, I'm hoping to get in like a pretty big training block leading into that race and yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it, I bet. So changing gears just a little bit, you know, obviously your focus is all on, you know, doing what you need to do in, in I guess, towards the Olympics. Um, but the sport as a whole, I mean, there's so much to offer. There's so many events. When you look at your career path going forward, um, you got Paris Olympics, you got hometown Olympics four years from now. How do you decide which direction to go? Um, you know, are you looking at sort of the PTO events? Are you looking at that, that sort of half distance or staying focused on the Olympics? What is, what's your thought going forward? Um, after Paris, I would like to do a few like 70.3 PTO distance races mm. um, just to see what they're like. But I do know that sitting in a time trial position is something that needs to be practiced. I can't just jump into it. Like you have to respect the distance. But um, mm. I, I still love like the different dynamics of Super League and World Triathlon. And um, yeah, I think doing a few longer races would just be a fun new challenge yeah. for myself. Yeah, and the business side of things is working out pretty well for you right now. I mean, World Triathlon and Super League combined, they do, and the sponsors are coming your way. Are you finding that the the team side of things is getting a bit easier as your career progresses? Um, actually, this year I'm struggling quite a bit finding sponsors. I think the bike oh. industry is hurting a lot. And even after my big year last year with like, you know, a, like the last – several years, I think I'm, you know, in the top four in the series and on consistent podiums in both world triathlon and super league races. But yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I think a lot of people are leaning more towards long course athletes, mm -hmm. uh, supporting more males or European athletes. And I, yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> no, I, I, he, I think it's one of those things. Um, the sponsorship was always towards the Ironman, you know, I, I, it's like you, you, I always found racing short had the prize money and racing long had the sponsorships and it's a, it's a difficult one to get right. Um, you know, I think everybody thought we were making a ton of money as sponsorships and we're like, no, <laughs> we, we make all our money in, yeah. in prize money. Um, yeah. Yeah, now that I, the more I talk to some of my friends who are, you know, newer to long course, they're getting far bigger contracts than I yes. am. And it's it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why that is. Um, and I personally find it frustrating. So if any sponsors want to contact Absolutely. Me. Everybody listening, <laughs> this is a pitch from me to the world for Taylor. Um, but yeah, I think I'm also trying to find a way to. Uh, have a better 
you know, return on investment to these sponsors. So I know there's like a lot of people are doing YouTube and like, uh, different things on social media. So I'm trying to find ways that it still fits into, you know, my lifestyle and, Mm -hmm. Uh, the fact that I still want to be an incredible athlete, not, you know, an influencer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I get it. I get but it. I'll give back to my sponsors in a way that they think is valuable. So I'm learning and doing my best. But um, well, I, think, I think coming up now that I'm on the other side of it, by the way, we can talk after the show, but um, <laughs> I'm on the other side of it looking in and it's kind of what you know, sponsors themselves, what are they looking for? They they want their products to sell, right? Sometimes it's just brand awareness, but for the most part, it's a return on investment and trying to figure out, well, if I put 10,000 or 20,000 here, am I going to get X back? Um, and trying to come up with ways it can be creative and different. Um, I don't, I, I'm glad I'm not in this generation where you have to have a YouTube channel going yeah, <laughs> as well. It's evolved so much. And I feel like as a triathlete, like you're already balancing three sports as it is. And like, <laughs> no, and, horses, and, like no. massage, and like taking care of yourself and being your own travel agent. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we have to be your own. Got to employ somebody to follow you around. Yeah, I no. need someone to follow me around when I'm grumpy and tired and have an easy day training because I need to get these photos done or these shoots done. And, and it's a real balancing act. And you are so, so many hats in triathlon and I think it will carry over to, you know, the business world later, but it's, it's tough and you need people in your corner to help you out to really be good at it. Yeah. Well, you have a decent following, you know, you're, you're up around 60,000 on the Instagram. You got a large following. Um, and I think people are curious about how you're living. I know I am. I was like, oh, Gerona, that sounds pretty cool. I wonder what your apartment looks like. Oh, you bought an apartment there? Oh, what's Gerona like? Show me a bit about Gerona. Immediately, the curiosity sort of gets us going, well, what's life as a professional athlete like? And what's Gerona like? And what are your friends like that you talk about? And it's kind of like that... Allowing people a little bit of a, a taste. I think um, I'm not, I was never that person. I was never good at any of that stuff, but um, now it's kind of a part of it, isn't it? But I think it's also, they just want to get to know you. Better, yeah, and I think you, you, know? have be, you have to be personal, personable. Yeah. But like yeah. if I wasn't a professional athlete, I would still want to post pictures with my friends, you know? So yeah. Yeah. like, why not? Or like, I'm still a normal human. I don't need to just post race photos and training photos all the time. Sometimes yeah. I want to just dress up and like, yeah, or be creative or do something that's true to who I am as a person. And so, yeah, I might have a different approach to social media, but um, I think it's good to, you know, showcase the person behind the athlete because... Yeah. Who are you looking for? In, who are you looking for in your sponsorship sponsorship lineup right now? Have you got, no? <laughs> a lot of people. Have, have you got a shoe? Have you got a running shoe sponsor? Yes. Right now, I have Asics. Okay. Um, yeah, Descent is my race suit sponsor. Okay. Hundred percent are my sunglasses sponsor, mm-hmm. and um, I've been riding Scott bikes. For the oh. last three years. I love the people. Um, at mm-hmm. Yeah. So all my sponsors are great and very 
supportive and I wouldn't use, you know, the products if I didn't love them. Of course. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm grateful for them. Well, let's put this out to the world for sure. People need to know more about Taylor Spivey and making sure we can, um, <laughs> we can hook you up here. Um, let, let's, let's wrap up the show. What's that? Please reach out. <laughs> yeah, please reach out. Um, yeah, let, let, let's wrap up here with, with some final four questions that I have. Um, so what would you tell your 18-year-old self not that long ago for you? I would tell my 18-year-old self, to join the cross country team. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's good. That's really good. All right. Three people you'd want to have dinner with non family, living or dead. Ooh. Okay. I have three very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna Winter, she's the editor in chief of Vogue. Mm. I'm very into like design and things like that. And when I was little, I wanted to be a, a fashion designer. <laughs> Side note, Um, Peter Zumther, he's a Swiss architect and he's my favorite architect, um, at least when I was studying in university. And the last one is Wout Venner because he's my favorite cyclist. (laughs) I love it. That's pretty cool. You you, you really are. You do have the creative gene. That's actually surprising. Most athletes are number crunches and we're all mathematician type people, but you've got a bit yeah. of a creative gene there. I That's like really it. why I'm a little different. <laughs> you think you're a little different? Yeah, but I'm pretty creative. Yeah. No, That's- I can tell you're creative. Um, and your confidence is just coming more and more, the more success you have in the sport. It was funny. I had Ashley Gentle on a few weeks ago and she said, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a confident person. It's like, well, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> the way you carry yourself, you're fine. Um, and I think you're yeah. the same. I think you, you're far more confident than you probably give yourself credit for. Yeah, but I think I'm like her. Like um, we're not very confident naturally, but our performances definitely mm-hmm. give us a bit I of confidence. Yeah. All right, next one. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, my gosh. Um in five years, I'll probably be retired by then. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would like to have a family one day. Um, oh. I'd like to work in some sort of design. Um, I don't know what. I don't know if it will be product design. I don't know if it will be in sports or out of sports or mm. fixing mm. up old houses or being a stylist. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, wow, you can go any way you want. But I love being creative and yeah. I think I'll figure it out as I go. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep you in mind for all my different, my, <laughs> I've got so many fingers in different pies right now. I'm like, okay, who do I need who for that? I'll keep you in mind. That, that's really cool. Um, and you want to start a family. Are, are you seeing anybody right now? The obvious question. Um, maybe, maybe not. Okay. Okay. We'll leave that out there. <laughs> I just need to know if the listeners need to be sending you a note or not. Um, uh, they can if they want. Not, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm tied down, but I'm definitely dating. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. I don't mean to pry. I do a yeah. little bit. But not really. I'm uh, sure everyone wants the gossip, so I'll give you a little bit. There that's, you go. That's all you got, though. <laughs> There's a little taster. All right, so this one, this question's not meant to sound more, but just more, more to get an idea of what's important to you. So. How would you use the remaining days if you only had six months to live? 
oh my gosh, am I like, <laughs> I'll ask a question to your question. Am I like deteriorating or am I still? No, you're, you're awesome. Everything's firing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I would, I don't know. I'm torn between either just like going full send and doing like a few races or just like traveling the world and seeing the most crazy exotic places possible and probably throwing away my cell phone, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> throwing away my cell phone. Boom. I like yeah. one a lot. And just going to visit like the coolest places in the world. Yeah. So what is that? What is the coolest place in the I world? I don't even know. I do have like, I, well, I've saved this on my phone, but like places I want to go to that are pretty like exotic, uh, like places in Thailand or in South America. And yeah. It's time to do that now. Ella. Well, maybe when I retire. <laughs> I'm reading the book. I had uh, Dan Plews on the show and he said, oh, I'm reading the book, um, Die With Die with Zero. Um, yeah. So I just started reading it this week because I was like, oh, okay. But, and I, I think I'm actually doing a reasonable good job of what the book's about. Yeah, but was, I'm going to go on a, like a crazy travel tour or something. Well, well it's, you're right. That it's more about going, you, you try, you, your crazy travel tour is probably most applicable when you're in your 30s, 20s and 30s. Because when you get in your 40s and you got kids and then in your 50s, you start going, oh, my knees don't quite work. And then yeah. you're 60, your back's gone. And it's kind of like you got to go. And, and that's when, because when I asked Dan, you know, why did he do the California Ironman and, and Roth? He said, look, Greg, I read this book that basically, look, I can do the River Nile on a, on a, on a boat in my 70s, but really I'm in my early 40s. This is my last crack to be able to give something a really good go. And, and it was more about just gaining perspective of life of going, do what you can when you can with the money you have at that time rather than kind of saving it up for when you're going to be 75 and actually can't do anything. So it's kind of, it was an it's an interesting book I'm reading. Um, that anyway. is true. Like 10 years ago, my answer would have been totally different. And like in 10 yeah. more years, like my answer will be completely yeah. different to this one. So yeah. No, well, do it before you have kids, anyway, and then you can always do it, re -get, do it again with your kids. I'll but, spend all my money on travel, and then I'll have kids. Yes, <laughs> and then that's it. Make more money. You're just gonna find, find a good man. So, you look go. after me. If you're raising the kids, trust me, that's that's your job. I just need a sugar daddy. Yeah, exactly. Well, of course, <laughs> every great woman needs a with a man to provide and protect. I'm an old school. I'm an old soul. I'm a strong, independent woman, Greg. Know, you can be an, you can be a strong, independent woman, and that's what it takes to raise a family. Yes. Um, all right, we're we're getting quite on a deep personal level here. We're going to get in trouble. I'm sure the listeners will love this ta tangent, or they'll just stop it. <laughs> of course, always do. Uh, no, I, I'm excited for you and your and your future, Taylor. I am a big fan you know that i've um i've tried to get you on the show for a couple of years and finally we're here chatting I've, I've always been a fan of the way you approach your racing um i still believe there's this like this this untapped potential in you which i'm really excited about and um i think you and paulo can can work it out um and i think 2024 is going to be your year and going forward i think it's pretty exciting too so um you know are you up for finishing with some quick rapid fire questions before i let you go Yes. All right. Here we go. Test those fast twitch fibers. First job. 
Wait, my first job ever? Uh, lifeguarding? Ah, of course. What we actually, I wanted to ask you earlier, you said you had saved up money and, and working. Was that all lifeguarding work or did you ever work as an architect post-school? Or No, because I was trying to do triathlon, so I didn't want to commit to like yeah. a firm. So I just lifeguarded and I taught junior lifeguards, which is like in Australia called nippers. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah. It was so fun. Cause I grew up doing that and I loved the kids. They're so cute. And I'm still in contact with some of them too. Oh, that's so yeah. good. I, I'm, so in Australia, I'm, I'm, I'm changing topic again, but have you been to Australia and raced down there? Yeah. I raced in Adelaide. Okay. At the, at the I spent a, quite a bit of time in Burley and swim at the Miami Swim Club. And and okay. You're comfortable with the Australian culture. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next question. One book you would gift a friend? Ooh. One book that I would gift a friend. Um, I recently gave a friend this book called Shantaram. It was good. It's very long. Um, Shantaram? How do you spell yeah. that? Oh. Is it how it sounds? Shantaram. Yeah, it's how it sounds. Don't ask me <laughs> on this podcast. It's not my strong suit. I always ask that for myself, to be honest. I'm, I always ask that book question because I'm going through books. I'm always looking for new ones. Um, yeah, that's one I just gifted someone recently. So I'll oh, go with that. Oh, perfect. All right. Your favorite post race indulgence? Oh. Um, a burger and a glass of red wine. Oh, nice. Full body red. And chocolate milk, but not all together. Like the chocolate <laughs> comes right after the race and the burger comes in the <laughs> later. I love it. I love it. First car you ever owned. Oh, this is a sad subject. Azuzu Rodeo 1999. My dad recently uh, donated it because he said it was too old. Azuzu Rodeo. I, see, that's one of my favorite questions I think I ever ask. Pe- people always have a – everyone's embarrassed by their first car and yet it's the coolest car I you'll ever have. I love this car. This car is great. My yeah. friends always made fun of me because it was definitely the oldest car out of all of my friends. Yeah. But it, it did whatever you needed it to do and it could fit everything in the back. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> I, had a, I had a 1974 Toyota Corolla. Oh, oh wow. And <laughs> I used to have to park it on a downhill because I had to clutch start it. It didn't work <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> okay. I know. It goes back. All right. One Netflix streaming show you'd recommend I watch or we watch? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, just before we had this podcast, I was watching Lupin. Mm. Um, I also liked Ozark. Um, mm. Yeah, that's I, good. Can I give you a non-Netflix? That's my favorite. Of course. Sorry, I mean any streaming, whatever. No, yeah. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Highly right. recommended. Thanks. I'm going to check it out. Um, somebody recommended I I watch um, Beckham. Have you watched him? Oh yes, very good. I was yes. a huge Spice Girls fan, and I grew up playing soccer. So. Nice. <laughs> well, okay, it's on my list. Not that I seem to ever find time to watch anything, but I'm going to check. Yeah. It was right, a bit if you, <laughs> if you could compete in and be the best in any sport, in any other sport, what would it be? Ooh, surfing. Yeah. 
Or snowboarding. Probably surfing. It's warmer. <laughs> yeah, warmer. You go to cooler places and just. I but there are sharks. I don't know. Oh, it's only that one. It's only been um, Mick Fanning who's been bitten. Mick Fanning, yeah. <laughs> well, and Bethany Hamilton. Um, Bethany, that's true. Okay, that is too. Okay, but still, statistically, it's pretty low. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. All right. Are you a surfer otherwise? Do you, do you actually surf? Uh, like longboard, yeah. I'd say I'm yeah, like yeah. an off surfer. Um, yeah. I'm much better at snowboarding. Is that um, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. But I love it. It's fun. Coffee or tea? Coffee or tea drinker? Ooh, I'm like a 50-50 person. I'm not hmm. picky there. I don't I'm, drink coffee every day. But in the winter, I like something warm in the morning. So, yeah. I like that. I'm probably the same. A place you haven't been that you'd like to go. I know you said you got your list, but is there one thing that stands out on top? I want to go to Thailand or like yeah, something like that. Go yeah. race Phuket. Phuket <laughs> I Thailand. Know. Yeah, maybe next year. That's such a good way to finish off the year. It's such a cool race and go yeah, explore. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, greatest decade of music. Ooh. Wow, I was not expecting this question. Um, hmm, 90s, 80s, 90s. Nice. You do have a creative gene. My Okay, my dad has a collection of CDs when I was growing up, like mm-hmm. alphabetized in his man cave, 4,000 CDs. <laughs> And I was briefly a DJ at the university, um, the university like radio station on the graveyard shift. But I had overcommitted myself, so I had to stop. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we should have led the podcast with that. <laughs> but it was like a very alternative, like yeah. very, like indie hipster. Yeah, oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I only, really basically the only people that listened were the men's colony at like 4am but it's like <laughs> the men's colony yeah. well, I guess I'm close to your dad's age how old is your dad is he mid 50s uh 60 oh he's a bit older five 64 he sounds like he's got a good music collection yeah yeah very into music very into music. cool I love it mountains or ocean for you Oh, don't I don't like this question. Okay, we can skip that. You... Both. That's why I'm in Girona. I'm between the mountains and the ocean. I like that. Well, California, you've got a, the best of both worlds too. You do have the mountains right behind you there as well. Yeah. All right. Taylor, this has been really fantastic. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the chat, by the way. Um, <laughs> I hope you did. Got a little deep and personal. <laughs> no, it wasn't too, it wasn't, I wasn't too brutal. Um <laughs> You know, it's quite relaxed, really. Yeah, it was a great chat. Yeah. I, what time I, is it where you are now? Um, are you off to bed here, or is it? Oh no, Jerome, you don't eat dinner for another. It's like till. just after seven p.m. So yeah. plenty of time. I'm I'm on Spanish time here. We skew the day much later than. I know. What time are you eating dinner and things? Soon, but most <laughs> you can't make a reservation here until like after eight p.m., which is rough as night. <sighs> Wow. <laughs> Wait till you become a parent. We we eat uh, we're, we're done eating by four thirty. We're all in bed by seven thirty. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's what I want. I know. I love I it too. I got to tell you. Lunch instead of dinner. That should be my secret. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing all your knowledge and all your journey. It's really cool. I appreciate you. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. And for everybody listening, you can find all the show notes and timestamps and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. All right, stay on the line, Taylor. Appreciate it. Bye.